first one I'll be reviewing is from Synapse Films. This is The Creep Behind the Camera. It also included the original The Creeping Tear. Uh, the Creep Behind the Camera. Uh, this one actually follows the story of uh, infamous kind of uh, underground filmmaker A.J. Nelson, who was uh, you know, uh, busy during the 60s. Uh, he was a swindler, a con artist, and a sociopath. Uh, he basically manipulated his way into making this movie, and no one's really sure if he actually loved film or he was just doing it to try to make money or uh, just get power. Uh, this one is basically half uh, documentary, half interviews with uh, people that knew A.J. Nelson, his wife, uh, the producer of the movie, who was swindled and uh, recreations uh, of the actual situation here uh, what makes this movie so cool is the recreations are so fine to detail uh, the creeping terror was a 60s uh, crappy kind of TV movie that was just completely horrible because AJ Nelson didn't know what he was doing uh, and uh, this is the story behind it it's one of those movies where the story behind the movie is actually better than the movie uh, there's tons like that uh, like uh, the Zodiac Killer is one that was in the last week although the Zodiac Killer is much better than the creeping terror uh, so what we have here is all these uh recreations and uh they really stuck out because the acting's really well done uh it's darkly comedic it's done in a darkly comedic way but there is moments of drama that are really touching especially with lois who went through hell with this guy uh and the movie gets really dark but somehow it manages to keep its uh it's uh, kind of playful uh attitude it has music that fits like the time uh and uh fits the documentary like recreation things well and also the talking heads in here are actually there so they know aj nelson and they get in, per in depth uh the funny thing is the sound was lost on the creeping terror so they basically dubbed everything over there's music there's a narrator it's a terrible movie and seeing these scenes recreated with aj nelson being such a serious nutcase uh is uh, really interesting uh aj nelson the guy who plays him josh phillips does a really great job i haven't hated somebody that bad in a very long time uh the lady who plays his wife is also spectacular they'll cut in dramatic moments uh with his wife in the movie and then they'll cut back to the interview with uh, aj nelson's real ex-wife and and uh, she just struggles sometimes to talk about it because it's, uh, it brings up a lot of bad memories. And that, to be honest, was uh, really kind of, uh, sorry, my hair's all over the place, really kind of uh, hard to watch. I felt really bad for A.J. Nelson's wife in this movie. Uh, so they really do create some sympathy here. They show you what it was like to make a low-budget movie in the 60s. Uh, they show you, uh, you know, back in the day, you have a lot of these sociopaths and psychopaths that can just get anything done, like H.H. H. Holmes or Bell Gunness, because... People just tend to want to believe people more. Nowadays, uh, you can't trust anybody in the words of Stone Cold Steve Austin. But so that, that that's just uh, kind of what you have going here. But uh, they, the movie jumps around chronologically, chronologically, so that can be a little jarring at first. You'll think, well, I thought that Lois had, had left him, and it goes back, and she's there, and you're like, oh, the timeline on the bottom. It more follows the interviews they have and what they say, but uh, there's some really great moments. Uh, the actual Creeping Terror is done in 2K on here. They include the original movie, and it's kind of a must to see with the movie so you can see how much they went into detail at recreating the monster, recreating the set pieces, and how much A.J. Nelson was similar to the actual guy who played him. But uh, the guy who plays the producer, uh, Bill Thorby, is a is a shoehorn. for They, they look a shoe-in, I should say. They, they look perfectly the same. I mean, the, the guy who plays him and the actual real uh, producer. But uh, it's an interesting story, uh, done very well, has nice dolly shots. It's a, it's, a, it's a very professional movie with a lot of good acting, and uh, it's actually made like a film. It's not made like a, just a, a corny recreation movie you'd see on television about a murder back in 1964. Uh, also included is uh, a commentary, a Q&A at Fantastic Fest, an a 18 minute of the making of the creature, a 25 minute making of the movie. Uh, the director, uh, 
loves old B movies and uh, it shows in the movie. He loves the history of film. He's a smart guy and uh, it comes through. Uh, I thought this one was pretty cool, uh, worth your time, and uh, Synapse did a good job with the release. Uh, it's worth the purchase if you like, uh, especially 60s films or you're interested in The Creeping Terror. I don't think The Creeping Terror has ever had a good release anywhere else, especially on Blu ray, is more what I'm getting at. So check out the trailer. Big Savage, it's my screen name. Action Rebel, man of two faces. I God. This guy who would sell his mother into white slavery. Don't worry, Mom. As soon as I put this picture over, I'll buy you out. Mr. Nelson, I'm sure we can work something out. Barb and I got married in Mexico. We were syphilis. He was a real swindler, apparently. But from people I talked to, for all they know, he was sleeping in his car. Donuts. Buns. Tarts. Oh. Did he think he was really making the best monster movie ever? We are going big time! Are we, are we still rolling? I guess I'll just stick to writing songs. Poems. On Jesus, and you're making a monster movie called The Creeping Terror? Do I have to say it? You care about this guy anyway. The monster movie never lost money. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Look at Corman. That guy never lost a dime. The bugs and crabs, that's all he uses. The guy can take a traffic cone, give it teeth, and make a mint. Think about what we can do with that thing. Not my soul! Next one here is The Black Room. This is from MBD. I believe this is a Capricorn uh, Films produced this one. Uh, this one has a, a fairly uh, decent cast in it. Uh, people will recognize Lynn Shade, Natasha Henstriggs, uh, James Duvall. Uh, so they all pop in here. Uh, yeah, this one uh, is basically your typical kind of haunted house movie by the storyline, but it's not typical at all it plays more like something we are still here meets the entity if that makes any sense to anybody uh this this newly uh wed couple or this newly this uh, new well i guess they're not new but this uh happy couple moves into this house and they instantly realize there's something wrong uh the husband gets possessed uh, from this incubus uh and he starts getting really sexual he starts to control things uh and uh this movie is gratuitous as all hell uh the sister comes in and things get even more complicated but but uh, what's, what's great about this movie is the script was written like 10 years ago, but the movie feels like it was made in the 70s or 80s. It doesn't feel like a nowadays movie where they, they typically kind of wink at the camera or super campy. The movie doesn't, it just does what it does, and it does it, does it a lot like an older film. It is campy, it is fun, uh, but it's not uh, something that's making fun of the genre or anything like that. Uh, the score and the music in here is all damn good. The special effects are mostly practical. Uh, there's some CGI help, which I have no problem with. Some of it looks uh, uh, not so great, but most of it looks solid, and the practical effects look really good. There's some inventive kills in here, which kind of surprised me, and the, how far they go with uh, the sexual stuff in here really surprised me. And they have fun with the Incubus kind of playing tricks on stuff, on people like kind of like Wishmaster, where he'll put a girl's boobs on her back because she turned him down, stuff like that. It, it is fun. It's weird. It's gross. It's gooey. It's nasty. Like I said, it feels like we are still here, but more fun. Uh, the, like The movie's called The Black Room because in the basement there's this room shut off and it's just 
uh, back like years ago in the 70s during a party they resurrected this uh, incubus and uh, he's stuck in this black room and of course he gets loose and that's pretty much the, the entire plot of the movie uh, shenanigans ensue and Nastasa Hentrich gets good in it the husband the guy who plays the husband's having a great time he gets to play kind of two characters one is the incubus and one is the kind of loving husband but uh, I was happy with the movie uh, also uh, Tiffany Shepis pops up in here it's a movie where it uses a lot of old kind of B actors not necessarily B actors like people that are famous for horror movies and stuff but they're they're not the kind of phone it in kind of actors and actresses they do a good job and everybody's solid in here the music's good uh there's a commentary on here which i like because you got to hear the director talking he shows his love for the genre and uh he's not one of those guys that sticks his nose up at the genre you can tell he loves it and uh he did a lot of homages to old ghost movies but it's just a sleazy slimy good time uh there's a premiere footage on here as well I thought the movie looked good. I thought the acting was solid. I had fun with it. Was never bored. Uh, I give this one a recommendation. It's kind of a surprise, to be honest. I can't believe we finally got our own home. I suppose you would get there. <laughs> As it turns out, young Maggie Black had a dark secret. The woman that used to own our house. How do you know Margaret Black was into the occult? There was just that party in her parents' basement. I believe it was in the early 70s. <laughs> What's an incubus? They're demons of lust and desire. The next one we have here is Charlotte. Uh, this is an anthology. I had not heard much about it. You really can't find anything about it on Internet Movie Database or anything. It's just a smorgasbord of shorts, some directed by the same people, I believe, some not. Uh, there's uh, one director I did, think did two or three, which those are probably the better shorts. Uh, what we have here is I guess they're all... Uh, the, the, the wraparound story is kind of crummy. Uh, this evil doll makes this girl watch the television. It's very simple, which means that these shorts probably were not made to go together, and it's just kind of a, you know, a tie-around. Uh, some of the shorts I thought were actually really great and a lot I thought were just eh I'm sure I forgot a couple the standout ones uh, in particular are the one where this guy is uh, being stalked by these two Girl Scouts who want him to buy these cookies and they come at all hours and he, he's kind of a, a douchey guy but he's really funny about it uh and he starts to notice that the people who are eating these cookies are not right and uh it becomes this weird showdown between him and two girl scout cookies really cute really funny uh it's got a nice dark zany sense of humor another great one in here is about a little kid who sneaks into a movie theater where uh everybody inside uh, the patrons are uh monsters of sort. I don't want to spoil anything, but I probably already gave too much away. That one's really cute. Uh, there's a couple others here about an evil doll. It's standard. There's one about uh, twins and voodoo. Uh, the twist in that one's okay. The double twist is really stupid, but uh, that's just how I feel. Uh, there's some other ones in here where I have great setups, and they're they're all right. Uh, one with an evil uh, uh, closet troll or something. Uh, that one's kind of creepy. has its moments. Uh, they do a nice setup, and uh, it's fast and simple. And one where a uh, trick-or-treater leaves her purse, uh, not, and uh, 
the husband goes to look for it, and that one's setup is really terrifying, but uh, I'm not sure what the hell's going on by the end of it. It's just a strange, weird uh, smorgasbord of shorts. Some are great, some are bad. Maybe put it on during a Halloween party. Uh, it seems like mo some of them were trying to take place during a Halloween. Some haven't. I don't know. There's no real theme that correlates these. Maybe it's supposed to be a doll or some sort of doll, but I don't understand. It doesn't really work as an anthology, but there are a couple really good shorts on here. I did not notice any... Uh, uh, special features on the disc but uh that's charlotte uh so uh, if it interests you check it out greetings and salutations my name is cindy would you like to buy a box of adventure girl cookies they're delicious i know your friend mary was already here and i told her the same thing i'm gonna tell you ready not interested. So please, just go mug someone else. <laughs> You're funny. Mary said you had a good sense of humor. Oh, really? She put you up to this? All right, look, I told her I wasn't interested, and I'm serious, all right? Aww. Don't give me that sad face shit. Uh, you just said a naughty word. Yeah, and you're going to hear a lot more if you don't get the hell off my porch. Where are your parents, anyway? Okay, cute. Just have a nice day. The next one here is actually from Kino Lorber. I didn't get to watch the features, but I wanted to talk about this one. This is Miracle Mile. And I originally had heard about this. I saw the cover and I was like, I don't know what that is uh, during a keynote sale at one point. But Brian Sauer and uh, Elric Kane were, were pumping this one in Pure Cinema Podcast, so I had to check it out. Uh, yeah, and I am so glad I did. I picked this up at the uh, keynote sale. Uh, it has Anthony Edwards in it, a slew of people off the top of my head. John Agar, uh, Brian Thompson, who else is in it? Oh, the mother from Pet Cemetery. I can't think of the main actress's name. She looks very familiar, but I, I, I haven't seen that many movies with her in it. But there's a lot of people people in this one uh kurt fuller uh the uh geez what is that guys uh the detective from bride of reanimator uh the psychiatrist and terminator it's got so many familiar faces uh the movie opens up as this kind of a love story is made in 88 uh and you're thinking, uh, I, I went in blind. I suggest you do the same. The trailer will probably ruin it, so be careful. But uh, I went in kind of thinking, this is going to be your typical love story. Uh, had an narration in there. Uh, and I was like, okay, this this might be cool. It has Tangerine Dream Score. It might be a heartbreaking uh, kind of love story. But what happens is... Uh, about 20 minutes into the movie there's a phone call he misses a date with a girl and he panics and goes to the diner and he gets a phone call he's not supposed to get that opens the door from that and the movie's pretty much uh is in real time after that it's uh really uh suspenseful uh i never uh Got I, I actually it's one of the last movies I saw where I said man I really don't know what's gonna happen and I really have to see what is gonna happen. Uh, there's great moments of dramatic turns in here. Uh, the acting's top notch. Even the side characters in here are beautiful. Uh, they're the type of characters that when they're out of the picture you're wondering where they went. You're wondering what they're doing. And to me that is a and this kind of a, it feels like a straight nightmare movie. Uh, something that you would have where they were there and they were there but you don't know what happens to them and nothing actually makes sense but it seems realistic all at the same time uh miracle mile is a masterpiece to me uh, i love the hell out of it uh the ending is brilliant uh it's a great love story but it's also an amazing entertaining uh movie that i don't want to spoil anything just go in blind trust me it's a it's a great movie super well made really great score uh emotional and i couldn't stop thinking about it i thought about it for days afterwards love can sure spin your head around god where do you begin 
Well, hello. We must have been meant to be together. It's too bad you have to work tonight. Only till midnight. Fate is a funny thing. Take a nap, because you're going to need all your energy tonight. It was one of those strange nights. <gasps> Finally meet the right girl and you blow it. That could ruin your whole day. In a big way. Dad, it's happening. This is it. This is really it. This is the big one. This is a joke, right? It's really happening. 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 This can't be true. We'll all be dead if we don't get out of here. Nobody believes this, do they? Not me, not Spongy. Make a list for me. People who would want to bring along. We gotta get Julie. Who's Julie? Harry Belafonte. Who are you? Who are you? Stop and let me off. I don't stop for nothing. Jump! Don't hurt me, man. I got Nakamichi Pioneer. I got everything. If it doesn't happen, I'll tell you. If what doesn't happen, man? I'm dreaming. That's, that's it, I'm dreaming. Y'all ready to go? You the pilot? Hey! Hey, do you know anybody who can fly a helicopter? Helicopter pilot. All the helicopter pilot bars are closed. What's the problem? It's true. Love can be exciting. Trust me with this. Even terrifying. Julie! Video! I love you! But nothing could prepare you for an experience like this. What is it, you heard? Miracle Mile. Listen, I'm just a guy who, who, who picked up the phone. The next one is also a Kino. This is Certain Fury. Yeah, uh, I, I think I picked this one up. On, it always, the, the the cover art when I saw it, I was like, I have to see that. But uh, I think Pure Cinema Podcast or maybe one of the other podcasts I listen to pushed me over to the edge. This one is bizarre. It has uh, two actresses that are Academy Award winning nominees or actually winners. Uh, they're these young girls that have gotten in trouble. One is kind of a street smart uh, bad girl. One's a good girl that, uh, you know, uh, is acting out because her mother died. And, and during uh, their sentencing in court, what happens is uh, a couple of the other girls in there... Uh, run ballistic and they have a giant shootout with the cops. It's horrifically violent and over the top, kind of surprising. Uh, basically, they and they escape together. Uh, the cops think they they were involved, so they're on the run and they have this shaky relationship. This is by far one of the sleaziest movies I've ever seen. They run into pimps and drug dealers and whatnot, uh, and there's some cringeworthy moments in here. But it all has that tune of that '80s kind of triumphant, uh, you know, zany tag team of people that don't really belong together. And uh, at points. The, the score comes in and you're like, yeah, like, I'm going to climb the highest mountain. That's not the extra song, but that's just what it reminds me of at times, especially in the scene where one of the girls helps the other girl after having a lot of fights and turmoil that picks him up during a fire and this music comes in. It gets all emotional. But then on the, the other hand, it just is a super sleazy, dark, kind of gross movie. But uh, it, it's just all over the place. It has to be seen to be believed. Uh, it's gory. It's weird. I don't know what the hell's going on. It's like, it's like this is like, one of these weird places, uh, like a 
Death Wish movie or something where everybody's just out to get you and you can't trust anybody. I think somebody said, I think I heard somebody say it's like the town from Hobo with a shotgun, and I wouldn't disagree with that. That also feels like a Death Wish town. Maybe that's what they said, but regardless, it's a sleazy town where somebody who may have wrote this is super paranoid that everybody's out to get them. But uh, there's there's uh, also uh, Peter Fonda's in it. He plays a sleazeball crime boss. A uh, really cool movie in a lot of ways. Not as good as Miracle Mile. It's a sleazy kind of trash-tastic stuff you might see on TV when you're a kid or HBO for sure. Uh, I guess it's kind of a lost movie, so uh, that's Certain Fury. I checked that one out as well. Academy Award winner Tatum O'Neill. I know we can beat this. Academy Award winner Irene Cara. I didn't resist arrest. And Peter Fonda. Would you help me if I had stiffed a cop? I didn't stiff a cop! They never met before today. Nobody move! And they don't belong together now. They're about to be tried in a crossfire. Convicted by circumstance. And framed for a crime they didn't commit. They're caught up in certain fury. White, black. They'll grab us in two seconds. Now they're bound together by chance. I just want a place where I can figure a way out of this mess. I want you away from me. And if they can't make it together... Don't let anybody in, Then they won't make it at all. Go back home to your boyfriend's porch. I don't really live like that. You sure don't live like this. Uh, the last one I have here is uh, Death Sentence. I have seen this one before. Uh, this is actually uh, by the it's based on a book by the same author of Death Wish. Uh, this is by James Wan. I think this was his second or third movie. Maybe his third after uh, Dead Silence. Uh, and this one didn't do well. It was made in 2007 and I gotta say this is one of the most underrated movies I've seen, especially for that time. Uh, it, it's a story about revenge. It's a story about, you know, uh, true revenge. You know, you don't get what you want. Uh, you sacrifice a lot to get that that it, it, it that that revenge and that justice, I guess that you see fit. Uh, it basically follows the story of Kevin Bacon, whose uh, son he's he's gonna be. You know, he's a hockey player. He's getting a scholarship. Uh, he's uh, killed in a gang initiation kill by these scuzzy people straight out of 2007 bad guys, like uh, junkie guys with the tattoos and the mohawks and those that, that kind of type. Definitely dated bad guys, but they're vicious and uh, you hate them, but they have a bond among themselves as well. Uh, Kevin Bacon uh, realizes during a, a great courtroom scene where the, his lawyer spits and says, hey, we'll get five years for this kid that, you know, that's not enough. And uh, his son lost his life, and he decides to take justice in his own hands while trying to, you know, hold uh, his wife uh, and juggle his wife and his, his work and his life and his other son. And, of course, uh, it doesn't really end well. You guys know how Death Wish is, but uh, this is kind of the more realistic, tragic version of Death Wish, uh, where a regular man takes the law into his own hands and it ends in tragic uh, way. Uh, but I, what I love about this movie is it's brutal. Uh, a lot of people complain that the movie was brutal, uh, but then it also showed that, uh, you know, revenge is not the right answer or violence is not the right answer. There's going to be consequences. But the, I, I see it as if you're going to have this cathartic violence against these bad guys, it's got to at least feel like you're like an amazing experience. Well, bigger than life. But then 
after the adrenaline wears off and you realize what you've done and everything that hits the fan and what you've lost because of it, that's when it hits home and you realize. Unfortunately, you know, some people probably see that, you know, big action rush and they think, well, yeah, that's like people that watch American History X and think it's a, you know, uh, uh, pro-racism movie or something like that. But uh, you, you can't worry about dumb people when you make a great movie. But uh, Death Sentence, Kevin Bacon is the father. He's great in it. There's a score or a motif in this one that comes on, and uh, it cuts right to my soul. Uh, I feel that the movie portrays loss fairly well, and you know how you're lost, and you're like a skeleton. But Kevin Bacon has that unique look where when he's dressed up and looks regular, he always has something a little off about him. He looks okay, but when he has to look off, when he has to look bad, when he has to look like he's been through hell, just make Kevin Bacon pale, and he just looks terrible at the end of this movie. Uh, it's also due to how good of an actor he is. Also, John Goodman appears in the movie, always great, plays a sleazy crime boss, a gun guy, and his exchange with Kevin Bacon is brilliant. Like I said, the violence in this movie is over the top, but it's the way I like revenge, you know, uh, like The Revenant, or even uh, they, you get hints of it at Death Wish 5 in the beginning, he's haunted by what he's done. I love the Death Wish movies, but, but you know, I like the for revenge, you gotta lose something. You gotta lose a piece of yourself. You gotta lose something else. In this movie, both sides, everybody's telling them, give it up. It's over. From the gang, after the initial attack on the gang, they re decide to retaliate, and everybody's telling them, don't go any further. End this. But, uh, you know, that, uh, um, uh, I guess a man's ego and his, his lust for revenge cannot be uh, satisfied by just that, by people telling him that. But a uh, really great movie, underrated. Uh, I watched it on Vudu this time. I had seen the DVD. I'm not sure if the Vudu's unrated, but uh, regardless, it's a horrifically violent movie with lots of really good action, and I just love the hell out of it, to be honest. Okay, guys. Brandon Hume, you've just hey. won MVP. Yeah. Number one, number one, number one. Nick? Hey, honey. I just wanted to let you know that our son is going to Canada to play hockey. I love you, and we'll be home soon. Hey, where do you think you're going? I need something to drink, Dad. Okay, we'll quick in and out, because we got to get home. All right. Get down! You can do this. Jail. I want this guy to go away for the rest of his life. I've got one eyewitness, you. We've just got your word. I'm dismissing this case. Mr. Darley, you are released from custody. You kidding me? Your brother, dude, he's dead. I say who lives, I say who dies. I'm coming for the rest of your family. You just bought them a death sentence. I really don't care what happens to me. I just need them to be safe. How do I make it stop? You started a war. God help you. All right. 
We have a few questions here. Christopher Dallier, my favorite Trumbo movie. And you know, I'm not going to give you some uh, big movie where, uh, like, again, like I said, my shot, favorite shot of video movies were pretty obvious. Uh, my favorite Trumbo movie is The Class of Newcomb High. I love the hell out of that. I love the gang in it. I love the gore in it. I love the music in it. Everything about that movie I love. I saw it at a young age. I also love The Toxic Avenger and uh, stuff they distributed. I love Redneck Zombies and Combat Shock as well. But I'll go with The Class of Newcomb High because I feel that is a real Trumbo movie and then The Toxic Avenger. Tim Evans, other than collecting movies, what else do you love to do in your spare time, my friend? Uh, I like to go to work and make money, and uh, I'm just that's uh, probably all I do about this point. I like to act in movies. Uh, I try to make movies in my spare time. I haven't been doing that as much lately, but I have been acting. Love to act, love to help on uh, independent movies. I like to work out and exercise, and I love to eat. Uh, I like to run as well. I eat a lot. I like uh, you know keeping up a little bit with MMA, not fi not just watching it and stuff like that. So those are probably pretty much all the things I do. Uh, Matt Go Godfrey, uh, I know you mentioned Oliver Reed in The Pit and the Pendulum, and you have talked about how amazing he is in The Devils, which I completely agree. What other Oliver Reed movies would you recommend to watch other than Tommy? Uh, Oliver Reed movies to watch. The Brute. He's great in The Brute, uh, the uh, David Cronenberg movie. I think he does a really amazing performance in that. Uh, he plays that uh, this doctor, and he's really like intense as always. Uh, Adventures of Baron Munchausen. He plays this uh, uh, the god who's the god who makes the weapons, but he's really crazy. We go bombs, and he's just nuts, and he's jumping up and down. He's like troll like, great in that movie. And then some fun ones like severed ties and spasms. They're okay. He doesn't do an amazing job in those, but he does solid. And the hunting party, his accent's a little off, but his performance is really intense. Love that one. Uh, but one that I would really, I'm thinking of another one. I had one at the tip of my tongue that I just, oh, Venom is really great because he gets to act opposite of Klaus Kinski, and they're just two intense people that are batshit crazy, and you know it. Uh, just ready to snap. But, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed the hell out of Oliver Reed in movies. I'm sure there's a bunch I'm just missing off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, he's always good, and I love the hell out of him in movies. Gladiator's another great performance. You can't go wrong with Gladiator. His last performance, he has uh, some great memorable lines in that as well. Uh, he does pop up with some weird stuff as well, like Ator. Is that No, not Ator. Uh, Gore, which is a really weird movie. Uh, but, yeah, Oliver Reed's the man. The first one I'll be reviewing is from Blue Underground. This is Amsterdam by Dick Moss. Yeah. I had heard about this one years back. I actually, I think I bought the old Shameless DVD, the yellow case. They all look pretty damn cool uh, from the UK, and I never got a chance to watch it. This is actually by the guy who did The Lift and uh, remade that later uh, with a movie called Down in the United States. Uh, so Amsterdam, yep. This movie's uh, pretty wild. It follows the story of a detective trying to capture this killer who's using the Amsterdam canals. Uh and a bunch of diving equipment to kind of go through there and be uh, stealthy and kill a bunch of people. Uh, this one runs almost two hours long, so it's a little on the long side. But what this is, is kind of a made in the late 80s. It's a smorgasbord or a mismatch of a bunch of other genres. Uh, it feels a lot like the uh, uh, Italian and American... Uh, you know, crime movies, especially the police movies from the 70s with a lot of the fast-paced stunts and action in there, which is really cool. And uh, definitely inspired by Jaws with the water element and the POV kind of stuff. But it also has that mismatch of uh, like uh, all the collided with like American slasher movies from the 80s and also in particular the serial killer genre with the uh, sleazy kind of New York feel uh, maniac but it takes place all in Amsterdam which is kind of crazy uh, it's got a great setting uh, through the canals and everything the stunts are, are amazing uh, fast paced a lot of boat chases uh, 8 minute uh, boat chase all practical looks dangerous as hell 
Uh, and it has this weird uh, kind of wicked sense of humor to it. It's not a uh, slapstick or goofy, but uh, it, it, it takes its time. Every chance it gets to kind of uh, do this really dark humor or kind of poke fun at the people of Amsterdam, it does it. Uh, there's a moment where in the very beginning of the film, someone, a prostitute is murdered and there's a boat of kids and nuns, a uh, tour boat, and they're going through Amsterdam and the body flings down and it's hanging upside down and it drags across uh, and everybody's freaking out and then of course it stops and the body droops right in the middle. Stuff like that and, and it comes across darkly comedic. So uh, people that have a, a kind of a twisted funny bone will really get a kick out of this one. Uh, the main guy in here, the detective, he's fairly likable he has he's just a kind of unorthodox you know uh bizarre guy uh the killer in the movie that's probably the only problem they set up a lot of red herrings and misdirections but by the end of the movie they don't really pay off and they're just kind of pointless i mean a misdirection is supposed to misdirect you but it doesn't really pay off you kind of like oh that's the deal here that is kind of too long for that reveal but uh it's not enough to really dislike the movie there's a strange subplot in here with the daughter uh, and one of her friends and there's even a joke in that that uh the the friend thinks he super uh, has these psychic abilities where he's acting like he does and he knows he doesn't but he actually does and that kind of stuff comes to fruition which is funny uh, there's some fairly decent gore in here, but the stunts are mainly the highlight. Uh, like I said, some of the deaths are pretty scary, especially when the killer pulls you under the water. Uh, like I said, the murky depths, and it, it makes Amsterdam look murky and gross, and it reminds me of like just dumping the, the pollution right into the water. Uh, that kind of stuff uh, reminds me. It paints Amsterdam as this red light district, uh, sleaze-filled area. I don't know if it's necessarily true, maybe for the time, but uh, it really sets up a nice setting. Uh, uh, for a slasher movie uh, and the main highlight for me was the music at the end credits not the main but one of the highlights uh, the music video actually for that is included on the disc and that's where the better that's the best feature on here I, I don't want to overshadow the other stuff on here but it's Amsterdam Amsterdam oh Amsterdam I probably butchered it but it's a really catchy song it has that like 80s flair to it and it's kind of funny in this movie there's also a commentary by the director on here Dick Moss uh, also uh, the stuntman's on there and then there's a vintage making of which is really cool because you get to see how the movie was made back then and uh it's one of the bigger budget movies in amsterdam at the time or holland i should say uh but uh yeah the director had a success with uh, pretty much all his movies and this one's a very capable uh you know a uh, very co uh, you know capable movie uh, very well done and it has like i said it's a mismatch of action horror and dark comedy uh, no complaints here, uh, except that it might be a little too long. Uh, it's a loaded uh, the, uh, with features, like I said, a commentary, a vintage making of some new interviews as well, uh, the music video, a couple trailers. What's cool about it is you can choose to watch it in its original Dutch language, or you can watch it in English dub or French dub, which is really cool. I chose to watch it in Dutch. Uh, something I, I do the European, a lot of the European stuff dubbed in English, but this one felt uh, the master audio wasn't that language, so I went with that. Uh, there's a subtitles included as well. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed the movie. I thought the picture was fairly decent as well. Uh, yeah, I'd recommend this one, especially if you like kind of weird slasher movies. This one's uh, pretty different and definitely worth your time. Uh, only in the late 80s, early 90s would they make something like this. The canals. They are a passageway into the heart of this international city. Dark and protective, they offer sanctuary to the terror that stalks from their depths. He will surface. Kill. Sixteen stab wounds, at least eight were fatal. 
and vanish without a trace. Four dead in four days. All I know is that something's got to be done. For the canals now run with blood. What is it? Depth meter. Standard equipment for a diver. Martin? They've got to find him, catch him, or kill him, because time is running out. Vestron Pictures presents Amsterdam. This city is murder. The next one here is from Arrow. This is the Slayer. Yeah. I'd seen the Slayer years ago on a Vipco uh, crappy DVD that was put out in the UK. Uh, and yeah, the Slayer is one of those titles that uh, kind of got neglected over the years because it hit the video nasty list. I I'm rightfully so. I don't think it deserved to be on that list in the UK. And uh, it, it kind of got neglected. Not many people saw it. It had a poor print. Uh, but Arrow finally rescued this one and put out a great uh, looking copy of it. Uh, this is actually uh, Cardone's first movie. I think J.D. Cardone is his name. I, I probably announced his name wrong. He did some other films as well uh what we have here is kind of a supernatural different kind of thriller i mean a slasher movie and thriller in that uh the group of people go on vacation on an island it's a typical setup you think oh here we go you know a slasher movie but it's a little different than that we have this artist who's an older woman not older older but you know they're adults which is a nice refreshment because you see the teen slasher movies and here we go again you know everybody's a jerk nobody has these really you know deep lives and has a you know their their main priority is getting drunk uh and that's not really the case here these people want to go out and get away and relax and have a good time but they you know they want to be together and whatnot it's the main lady her husband the main lady's brother and her and his wife so it's a it's a tight-knit group here uh and as it progresses we find out that the artist you know she's not what she uh you know she's she's got something wrong with her uh it's affecting her art it's affecting everything in her life uh her dreams are kind of invading her life she had these reoccurring dreams as a as a child and they haunted her and uh it's coming through in her paintings and uh she starts to believe that this is invading the real world uh which kind of sets up this uh precursor to N nightmare on elm street which is in it's in unavoidable to compare it to and also it reminds me of the movie that would come out later called Colobus with the the art picture the pictures coming to life uh, in the real world uh, and it kind of has that kind of uh, is she crazy is she not kind of feel like Colobus did as well so we have that. It's got a great setting because it's on this island in uh, Tybee, Georgia, or it's a peninsula. So uh, it's really secluded. Uh, there's some really great set pieces here. It is a slow movie. It is a bit melodramatic at times, but the payoff's totally worth it. There's a lot of nice foreshadowing in here, uh, and you can hear that in the commentary. They pointed out one of the characters obsessed with fishing, and his demise uh, recalls that as well. Uh, and there's just some nice, like I said, foreshadowing. There's an ominous presence, uh, and the killer is is debatable what it is. Or I I see it as some thing as uh, more of a manifestation of someone's uh, fears and uh, or our anger towards people and your your 
kind of surreal, evil qualities inside of you or whatever coming to coming to life in the real world. That's what I see it is. But there's a few ways you can look at this movie. Uh, the kill count's not not super high or anything like that. But there's one really gory, nasty, highly memorable practical effect in the movie. And uh, if you've seen the cover, you see the Slayer on there. I don't want to give too much away, but the Slayer is magnificent, although not in the movie very much. Uh, there's two commentaries on here, one with the director and some of the other uh, cast, which is really cool. He uh, said shed some light on here because this guy's not been interviewed very much for this movie. Uh, and a hysteria continues uh, commentary on there. These guys are kind of a slasher enthusiast experts uh, from all around the world. Their commentary is pretty good too. I believe there's some interviews on here and there's uh, as well, and there's a premiere of showing it back. They go back to Tybee and they show like the Blu-ray and show all the locals it, and it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it, it's a solid uh, kind of creepy movie with a great premise. Uh, it's it's underseen. I, I don't want to say it's highly underrated because I think that people have an appreciation for it that have seen it. And uh, if you can get past the you know the slow nature of it, which I enjoy, I like it. There's a good build up uh, and a great score that plays in with the ominous presence of the movie and the killer and everything about the island and the setup. But uh, the ending's a little wacko, uh, really really bizarre. I check this one out. Arrow did a good job with it, uh, and it's a solid movie. And uh, I'm kind of a collector of the video nasty, so I really wanted to get a hold of it and check this one out on uh, Blu-ray. Suddenly, the the audience to feel comfortable. I loved in that previous death scene that we just saw that they actually showed her hands bloodied from like trying to cl crawl out the window. It's a little gem that that has that 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 des that deserves the recognition. I'm hoping that the the new Blu-ray will will get a much wider audience and people will, will really enjoy the music. This is the room where Sarah woke up from a nightmare and found David's head in the bed. The Tybee Post Theater needs to show more horror movies. The next one here is The Love of a Woman from Arrow Academy. Uh, yeah, I not heard much about this. It's a little bit on my element. It's a 50s French film uh, by the director Jean Grimalian, or Grimalian. I'm, I'm mispronouncing his name because this is actually the first time I've seen one of his movies. So, I'm, I, like I said, I'm out of my element, but I think it's good to get out of your comfort zone and check out stuff that you typically wouldn't watch. Uh, this kind of follows the story of a small town, uh, kind of an isolated small town as well, similar to The Slayer, uh, but on somewhere that there's a bunch of people here that preoccupy the island, or occupy the island. Uh, this lady comes in and she's supposed to replace the old doctor. Uh, and uh, she realizes she's young, she's a good-looking woman, and uh, she starts to meet uh, the teacher there and realizes she feels trapped. At one point, she says, will you be here the next 20 years? It goes by really fast. And never have I seen a movie where I actually felt trapped for the character and that kind of sense that, oh my God, this is... And I started like thinking for a second that this is almost like, it's like, oh man, started like realizing my own mortality a little bit more in that moment. And it, it kind of was scary. Uh, she ends up meeting this man who, uh, uh, he, he's passing through and they have this relationship and this kind of, uh, opens up this story about, uh, you know, what she wants to do with her life. Does she want to stay there? And it, it, it's a really heartbreaking story. He wants her to go with him and, uh, give up her career. But, uh, she loves her career. She wants to be an independent woman. So it brings up these, uh, these, uh, 
themes of, uh, you know, a woman being independent, being able to provide for herself, needing something more than just being a mother. And I can, I, I, I can't, you know, completely understand that, but I understand what the movie's going for. And I think it's a really good, how they brought it up and how they handle it. And, uh, the end of the movie is really sad, really heartbreaking. And there's a couple moments in here that are, I guess, uh, very, very progressive for the time. They show a surgery, uh, and they, it looks like they're using real pig skin or animal skin for it. Uh, you see that trick in a lot of older movies. <laughs> And uh, it looks pretty graphic, uh, Beyond the Darkness. Not as graphic as something like that with their real animal skin, but uh, fairly graphic, uh, hernia surgery. And uh, they, they have a couple deaths in the movie as well. Uh, but it, it, it's shot well. There's lots of nice camera work. It's shot in black and white. Uh, I think it's 53, so this is the first experience I had with this movie, uh, and there's some good stuff in here. It's just not necessarily something that's directly up my alley. Uh, included on the disc is a, a feature uh, length version of, a, a, it's, a, it's basically about the career of the director. It has all the people that worked with him, and it goes over his entire career, including some people from this one. Uh, it is about an hour and 36 minutes, so uh, I was, uh, I did, I'm not too familiar with the director at all. Like I said, this is the only piece that I can think of that I've seen, so it wasn't as interesting to to me as it would be for some other people. It's a vintage piece. It was actually made, I believe, in 59 or 75. I'm not necessarily sure on the year. Oh, those are the two release dates I've been seeing. But uh, it's kind of, uh, well, I think 75. But it's 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 kind of cool to see that, uh, the interviews with all the people and talk about them. But uh, it is edited kind of strange. They'll pause on a picture for a few seconds here and there. But uh, I think it's an interesting movie if you're into 50s movies. Uh, like I said, I was a little bit out of my element, so hopefully you guys will forgive me. The next one here. I'm talking about this because, you know, I don't think it gets as much love as it should. Jackie Brown. Yeah, I'm going to say this now. I'm a big fan of Tarantino. I know that some people aren't a big fan of him. A lot of older people, not to point out, but, and, and a lot of people that have seen a lot of older movies feel that, you know, he's just ripping them off, but I, I don't see it that way. And uh, I, I love Tarantino. I love that he incorporates a lot of older films. It, it's something I dig. And I've been watching a lot of Pam Greer movies lately, so I wanted to revisit Jackie Brown, uh, which is one of my favorite Tarantino movies. Uh, let me get into this one. Uh, if you guys never seen Jackie Brown, it basically follows the story of an uh, air stewardess who uh, is bringing over uh, money for uh, uh, Robbie, Ordell Roby, who's Samuel Jackson. Uh, the ATF kind of catches on to her. Play uh, Michael Keaton's the main ATF agent, and they kind of put her in this crosshairs where she's trying to play, trying to play both sides. Uh, she uses the help of a Bales bondsman, Max Cherry, played by Robert Forrester, and uh, Robert De Niro and Bridget Fonda are uh, kind of a uh, criminal allies with Samuel Jackson. So you have an amazing cast. Uh, Pam Greer's always top notch. Robert Forrester doesn't typically get these big roles. He was an alligator and vigilante, but uh, he shines in this movie. He's a very likable, uh, great character. Uh, Samuel Jackson, one of his best performances. He's intimidating. He's scary. Bridget Fonda does her role perfectly. Burnout, annoying, uh, naggy, great role. And uh, she's she's uh, clever, but probably too clever for her own good. And uh, personally, uh, Michael Keaton's solid as well, as always. Uh, Michael Bowen's in it as well. But I got to give this up for uh, Robert De Niro. This is one of my favorite Robert De Niro performances in here. Uh, Robert De Niro plays this uh, kind of a criminal who gets out and he used to be a great criminal apparently and he just is so out of it so burnout so stupid and uh he has trouble hanging up the phone at moments but his his mannerisms and his facial expressions especially when he deals with Bridget Fonda throughout the film they kind of get on each other's nerves uh she keeps poking fun at uh Samuel Jackson when he has his back turned and this upsets De Niro because his loyalty to him and and as the movie progresses you see his face you see his mannerisms until the very end during uh a job they're supposed to be doing where they're switching the money which is very complicated uh and uh 
it can be confusing if you don't pay attention. Uh, he kind of loses his mind, and it's it just there's lots of great moments in here. This is definitely one of those movies that has amazing acting in it. But I also noticed a lot of the camera choices are really great. Uh, you don't get typical coverage like there won't be a close up on this guy, a close up on the, her. Uh, there's a lot of times when the whole scene is just one shot, and it's these two characters, and it just doesn't cut. And it, it builds intensity. It builds a lot of great moments in here as well. Uh, it's really cool that the movie will show the big moments, the uh, the big uh, scenes, so you get to see it from three different angles so you get the whole picture it, it, you know how they say you don't typically always get the same the whole picture for everything but this movie it feels like you're related to everybody in the movie and they do that really well the soundtrack's great a lot of uh you know old kind of uh i don't want to say motown because they're not motown songs but uh you know around that time like across 110th street and stuff like that uh which isn't a Motown song, but you know, there, I think Stax was the company. I can't necessarily remember, but a lot of the good songs in there as well. Uh, and it's one of those movies where I was watching, the person I was watching with said, man, I don't want anybody to come out on the, I don't want anybody to lose here, but, uh, the disc does have some deleted scenes on here. Uh, I think it's one of Tarantino's best. And I, I want to say this, uh, and I have some trailers as well. Sorry, I'm getting all over the place. I want to say this. If you're not a huge Tarantino fan, if you watch like Inglourious Bastards or Hate Later, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, you're like, I don't like those. This one is uh, Tarantino's most contained movie. It's not, I love his stuff, but I would say his other movies are can kind of drift and become more self-indulgent. I would say that Jackie Brown is the least self-indulgent of his movies. And I think it's the tightest one. I think it's the best paced one. And uh, I think it's a freaking masterpiece. I think people should check it out. Uh, uh, definitely recalls kind of the black exploitation movies with the Pam Greer in there and, and whatnot, kind of playing that similar character to like a Foxy Brown, except more classy than Foxy Brown. Foxy Brown uh, took even less crap than Jackie Brown, but uh, it's just beautifully shot. And uh, the way it unfolds is amazing. And it's cast perfectly. Uh, Jackie Brown. I love it. I know I probably shouldn't even be talking about it. everybody knows about Jackie Brown, but I love it. Here we go. If you have the chance, to walk off with a half million dollars, would you take it? Yeah. What do a stewardess, a gun runner, a bail bondsman, an ex-con, a federal agent, and a beach bunny have in common? You gonna come in on this thing with me. You got to be prepared to go all the way. They're all chasing a half million in cash. Wouldn't be missed. Half a million dollars will always be missed. Let him get the money and then just take it from him. She's trying to play your ass against me, huh? That was fun. There's only one question. Who's playing who? Let's make a deal. Oh, yeah? So what's she going to give us? Are you going to offer to set him up? Yeah. Is she dead? I, I, I... Yes or no, is she dead? Pretty much. Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown. AK-47, when you absolutely, positively got to kill every mother in the room... No substitutes. <laughs> Woo! But uh, this is Christopher Dallier. Thanks for the question. What is my favorite documentary? Uh, my favorite documentary. I like some of the like true crime stuff, like the Thin Blue Line. I think is great. Just how it shows the difference between. Uh, extroverted and introverted people with dealing with the police and uh, smart and intelligent people and then like kind of just charismatic or charismatic killer uh, basically criminal getting away with it because he was a better speaker or he like he was a people person which is kind of bizarre thin blue line i love how the recreations are done i love the soundtrack i love that it shows you know paints a picture 
and it, it, I believe it's fair. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that one, it's about a wrongly uh, convicted uh, man. Uh, and what else? I like Cropsy. I thought it was really cool how it kind of uh, deviated from the legend of Cropsy and went into this whole different way. It, it felt very spontaneous and very alive and went into this Andrew Ran case, Andre Ron case, or Ran. And uh, Paradise Lost, I enjoy those documentaries. Uh, I thought those were pretty good. I'm trying to think of other documentaries I enjoy. I'm sure there's tons of them, but those are the ones that come to mind uh, right away. That's the kind of stuff I enjoy. <laughs>